Hey friends, well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out, see their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads, love where you live. Christian Parenting Aloha friends, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Aloha, friends. Welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast, and welcome to another episode in my 2022 series where each month. At the final Wednesday of each month, I am covering one chapter from my book, Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most from You. So you can go back and catch up to all the previous episodes. If you've missed them, they have been listener favorites, I'm so happy to say, and I've really enjoyed them as well. Today we get to the most anticipated or maybe dreaded, I'm not sure which, chapter called Navigating the Digital Age. This is all about technology and entertainment. And so we're going to dive in, talk about some of the hard stuff, the stuff many of us wish we could avoid, but we just can't. God placed us as parents in this time, in this world. He knew what he was doing, and we can do this. We can do hard things. And so... We're going to talk about that. I do want to point you, though, to show notes where I'm going to be linking to a year ago. Last summer, I did a whole series, three or four, I think four episodes about raising boys with technology. We talk about internet filters. We talk about pornography. We talk about uh, gaming. I have a, a gaming expert, an actual mom who loves the game, who gives us some real detailed and helpful information about games. And it comes with a download where you can print it out and use her tips. These are so helpful. And so be sure to check show notes so that you can go back if you missed it last summer and check out all those episodes that were really good. Now I'm going to dive right in and just share some highlights, some nuggets, a few favorite parts from this chapter, and then hopefully all of you are able to get your hands on your own copy of Boy Mom if you haven't read it already. It comes in Audible version, Kindle version, and paperback, and I will always have links to where you can purchase Boy Mom over in show notes as well. But again, we are drawing from chapter eight, Navigating the Digital Age, and I open with a quote that I love so much. This is by Christian Lois Lang, and it says, technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master. 
Did you catch that? It's so good. Technology is a useful servant, but a dangerous master. Isn't that so true? For a whole lot of us, we didn't know when it happened, but suddenly technology is a master in our homes, some of us in our lives. So we want to fight that. I'm just going to open by reading the beginning part of this chapter. I say, the nearly 11-year age span between my first and last sons means I have raised children through two vastly different childhoods, at least when it comes to the impact of technology. When my first three were young, I remember seeing the early forms of handheld game systems, the big bulky ones. Perhaps because they were unfamiliar to me, I chose to avoid them. My hands were full then, and looking back now, I imagine life would have been much easier if I had taken advantage of the free babysitting. Yet, because they didn't have access to devices, I believe we all grew in character. I had to do the hard work of hands-on parenting, and they developed a great imagination and a love of books, art, and probably most of all, dirt, mud, bugs, and anything they could get into outdoors. My sons explored nature, magazines, and studied world maps long before we started homeschooling. By the time technology became an integral part of our culture, these first sons had a foundation in exploring the world through other means. And though they all use technology today, they began their relationship with it as an addendum to their already established love of learning. I think that's key right there. Fast forward several years to when my fourth son was born in 2010. Technology had become a big part of our daily life. Our world was changing and smartphones seemed to be at the center of it all. I embraced it, taking cell phone pictures of my baby in the hospital and posting them instantly to social media. I'm guessing many of Levi's first impressions of his mom and dad involved us with a device in front of our faces. That stings a little, just to admit. Smartphones, tablets, and all kinds of technology were a part of his world from the beginning. There was plenty of good in this. When he developed an early love for tractors and cars, we found educational websites that featured videos of all these things accompanied by catchy songs. We searched the internet to find preschool science and art projects for every season. I was happy to offer him the world at his fingertips. But it makes me a little sad to consider the difference between my older son's early years and Levi's. Yes, learning became easy, maybe too easy. There was no more searching through books or waiting until our next trip to the library to find information. Instead, as questions came up, we directly went to an iPhone for the answer. Levi and Siri became friends and the rest is history. So as I share that opening, I'm sure that many of you can relate. If you have older children, you might remember what it was like to raise kids without the battle, the battle for screen time and technology. And, and yet most of us enjoy and appreciate uh, all the advantages of having technology at our fingertips. And so this is all about finding that healthy relationship, right? The next section I call Consider the Trade-Offs, and I confess again here just that Levi has not spent as much time in his imagination, using his imagination as his older brothers have, and at some point when he was young, we would be in the car, and it was so easy for me to just let him get on my phone. It was, it was entertaining for him. He would find little games to play or things that would keep him busy, and I could kind of get lost in my thoughts and not have to answer a million questions. And then I started to feel convicted about that. It hit me hard that this wasn't how I wanted to raise my son when I considered the difference between how his older brothers were and the kind of conversations we had in the car. 
And so I realized that I needed to make some changes. Now, I talk here about the book Tech Wise Family by Andy Crouch, which I highly recommend. I'll link to that in show notes as well. But he pointed out in there that allowing young children to use devices has cheated both kids and parents of opportunities for growth. He shared the example of using devices in car rides or at the grocery store. We've all seen kids going through Costco or Target or at the grocery store glued to some form of entertainment on a device, and it seems like the kids don't even know what's going on around them. Well, Crouch suggests that if we hand our kids a device every time life is hard, and he referenced that bewitching hour before dinner, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you have little kids, how easy is it to just give them a device when you need to make dinner? But when we do that, we miss the opportunity to develop qualities like patience and perseverance, which are part of growth for our kids and for us. I mean, part of parenting is having to work with your kids and and help them through these hard times, give them something to do, parent them accordingly. And so uh, we both miss out, parents and kids, on character growth when we use technology as a quick fix in the difficult times of the day. So that was when I decided to go with Andy Crouch's suggestion and make car time talk time and to put away devices and not allow Levi to be on my phone in the car. I'm sure there's exceptions. I mean, if we lived on the mainland and we took road trips, there would definitely be exceptions. But most of the time that became our norm. Now, It's been a few years. Do I confess that sometimes I let him on my phone now? Yes, definitely I do. But overall, I bring up that phrase all the time. Car time is talk time. Car time is talk time. And sometimes we listen to Adventures in Odyssey or a book on audio. But overall, we try to keep our eyes up, looking around us, noticing things we're passing and having conversation. The next section is called Purposeful Decisions, and this is really about making decisions about when to get kids a smartphone or allow them to be on a device. And I know that so many parents just want that magical number, right? Just tell me, okay, what age, what grade? And people ask me when I've allowed my kids to get phones, and I wish there was one easy answer, but there's just not. I'm really not a believer in having one set time, but really in going by what your child's needs are, like actual needs, not wants, but needs, and also their maturity level. And so I encourage parents to think through their why before they buy. Peers matter, but peers should not direct your decisions. And a smartphone may be convenient, but that alone isn't reason enough to take the plunge. So we actually got our older boys uh, smartphones at a, a bit younger age than we have done with the next two. Levi is 12 and does not have one. But I think we got Josiah a phone when he was 13 years old. And, uh, he actually lost it not too much later and then didn't replace it for quite a while, but we did give him one at 13. And then by the time Jonah was coming up, we realized like we were learning more and more about what's going on in the world and what, you know, some of the dangers of having a phone and what it can do and social media. And so we waited a little bit longer with Jonah. And then when Luke came along, we were like, let's see how long we can wait. This kid does not need a phone. Now, keep in mind, my kids are homeschooled. They're with us much of the time. And so I know there are situations where kids are away from parents. They need to be in touch. But what we did with Luke, because he actually was surfing a lot. He would go with other people to the beach. He would need to contact us to pick him up. But we ended up getting him a flip phone. And yeah, of course, he didn't love it at first. But over time, he almost kind of took pride in it. Like it was kind of the joke. It was just fun that Luke had this old school flip phone and he could text us 
It wasn't simple, but he could text us and he could make calls and that was enough. And I think Luke kept, so when I wrote this, Luke was not, um, and it said here, Luke will be getting a flip phone. Okay. Well, that's what he ended up doing. And then when he was, goodness, maybe 16, he ended up getting a smartphone. And some of that was pressure from like his coaches and people in the surf industry, because they were like, we need Luke to be able to, you know, post things, share things. And it was getting clunky with him having to borrow my phone all the time. So he ended up getting a phone with Levi. We're not sure, but we're going to wait. We're not in any hurry. Okay, the next section here is about setting ground rules. And again, I keep having to reiterate that so much of this topic of technology and screen time is going to be very individual to your families, depending on your needs and your convictions and so many factors. But there are some ground rules that I feel pretty comfortable saying across the board um, are, are safe and wise. And so adjust as you need to, but the first thing, actually, I mentioned filters a little bit later, but if you've read much from me on this topic of technology, I'm just a really big believer in finding and using filters on all devices that kids and really all family members are on. Uh, so I'm going to just throw that out there very first, even though it's not first on my list here. Um, filters, there's many different forms of filters. You can get accountability software where you get a report daily or weekly about things that uh, your kids are looking at. You can get filters that uh, prevent kids from going to certain sites, uh, filters that take screenshots. I mean, there's so many out there and I do give a list of suggested filters as a download so you can find that. And there's, there's new ones out all the time. There's everything from free to a monthly fee for filters, but I do highly recommend using filters on all devices. And now a little later in the chapter, I also mentioned that something important to keep in mind is that filters are not foolproof. Certainly kids can find ways around filters. Kids can find a way to get to different sites without it being tracked. And so at the end of the day, bottom line is there isn't a filter out there that I've ever heard of that is completely foolproof. And ultimately, these things are going to come down to heart decisions that your kids make. So as long as your child is on a device, there's going to be opportunities for them to find, to seek out, or stumble upon something that you don't want them to, especially in the area of pornographic materials or things that are influencing them, everything from uh, self-harm, uh, suicide triggers, uh, different um, cyberbullying, all the things that scare us the most, they're out there. And so if you have a child who's not mature enough to handle that, if you have a child who's making bad choices, who's spending time with influences that you don't feel good about, I would say be very hesitant to give them a device if you're not going to be able to trust the decisions they're going to make with that. And at some point, yes, we just have to let go and we have to let kids make the, their own call. And sometimes there's going to be consequences that they're going to have to live with. I get that. But I do think that should come at the right time and too soon is never a good idea. So having the conversations, really talking to your child most of all about their faith and about their character is going to be more important than anything else. But on top of that, yes, get filters on everything. So filters are helpful, though not foolproof. Okay, so then I'm going to run through the rest of the ground rules here. I have first follow limits set on screen time. Determine what is reasonable for your son and set clear rules. We're going to talk about some ideas uh, for this in a moment. Um, but I suggest that game time and tech 
entertainment time is limited on like a school day. If your child is going to school, doing sports, doing homework, doing chores, there should be very little time left over to be playing video games. Now you might, if your child loves video games or loves, you know, following somebody on YouTube that you feel good about, maybe 30 minutes a day on a school day is reasonable. But for a lot of kids, their days are full. Read a book, play some music, play a card game with your family. Like there's a lot you can do. So I encourage you to look at all the other things in your day before you say yes, because even if everybody else is on technology for entertainment, your child doesn't have to be. Next, no devices in bedrooms at night. This is a big one, um, highly recommended by most experts. I think every expert I've ever heard. Uh, we have our kids turn in their devices before bedtime around 9 p.m. at night. And if your child says they need to use their phone for an alarm, guess what? You can go get an alarm clock at Walmart for like $8. So no devices in bedroom at night and no computers in bedrooms or behind closed doors. Now this one can be tricky. I admit with a bunch of kids homeschooling, we had some kids doing school in their bedrooms. So for us, that just meant turning off devices and not using computers or devices at night. Um, again, there's a trust issue there, but so far it's worked for our kids. Um, also next, only use apps that are approved by parents. If you catch your kid downloading an app without your approval, I say give some big consequences. You want that to be a no-no and, and they need to know in advance that there will be consequences for doing that. This is again, building trust. And then of course, no bypassing filters. If your child is sneaky, you find out that they've bypassed a filter big consequences. Like make sure that they know that that's going to be something that will probably make them lose opportunity to use that device. And the easiest way to enforce all of these rules is to use a technology contract. And I know some of you probably already have one. I actually offer one at the end of this chapter. So I'll give you an opportunity to download that as well. It's just a sample. There's many others out there. And the best way to do it is to customize it for your own family. But before you give your child a tablet, a device, give them a computer of their own, I really encourage you to use a technology device, uh, technology contract so they will read the rules and sign their name on that contract. This is them saying, I acknowledge that I'm agreeing to this. So if I break any of these rules, I will lose the privilege to use this device. Or you might come up with some other consequence, something that is using their currency to make sure that it's serious enough that they don't want to break that contract. Uh, you can use a separate contract for each device or one for all of them, but these can be customized to fit your rules, your boundaries, and they're really helpful. And, and with that, I'll mention here that as long as you're paying the internet fees for a cell phone, cell phone service, whatever else, and as long as your child is, you know, 18 or under, I really encourage you to make sure they're clear that you own that device. They are using your device. This isn't their phone. This is your phone that they get to use. It is a privilege. And so that helps also with the language in a contract so that they understand that they are using something that belongs to you and they're agreeing to the terms of its use. Hey guys, I just want to pause real quick here to tell you about a resource that I know many of you will be interested in. Though we are in the full swing of summer, 
The school year is just looming right ahead of us. I know some of us are getting ready to start the school year, and we want to be prayerful as we start the school year, right? I hear from so many parents that are looking for helpful resources, ways to pray better for their kids, and Christian Parenting has a new resource that will help you with that. It is called Key Psalms to Pray Over Your Kids. This is a weekly guide that will help you pray specifically. It's a journal that draws from songs, poems, and expressions of faith found in the 150 chapters of Psalms. And these are just a really helpful guide, a way that you can pray from the beginning of the school year all the way to the end for your kids specifically. I love it. It's such a helpful way to start or end your days as you go into the school year ahead and all that will come with it. So go over to cpgive.org. Again, CP as in Christian Parenting, give.org. Request your copy and I know you're going to love it. And now let's get back to the episode. Let's talk just a little bit more about setting time limits. Once again, this is something that people want to know. How much time is okay on the weekend, over summer break, um, on a school day? How much time is okay? Well, there's a lot of creative ways you can do this. And you know your child best, but there's some approaches people take are to give your child uh, time on a device according to how much they've read that day. You want to read for 30 minutes, you'll get 30 minutes of screen time. Um, maybe how much outside exercise they've gotten. You know, go get on, go for a run or get on a bike, do something for 30 minutes, you'll get 30 minutes of screen time. These are great win-wins. It's forcing your kid to think through how much they want that and then to do something that's healthy, whether it's reading or exercising. Um, also, I believe in just making sure that kids understand work before play. So have you done all your schoolwork? Have you done your chores? Have you done the things that you need to do in a day? And then tech time should be used after all the other things have been done. So that's one thing that I do. I keep a checklist for Levi in the summer, and he knows exactly what needs to be done before he even asks to use a device. So taking a good look at your life in light of your educational goals, social skills, health, um, past use of technology, how much you can trust your child, that's going to all come into play as you make these decisions. And no, they're not easy, but you can do this. Okay. There's so much more in this chapter, and so I'm just going to trust all of you to go read it because I just can't share all the little details. I do talk here a bit about media and entertainment, movies and music. This is another area I just encourage parents to be involved in. Uh, we can't trust rating systems. What used to be PG and what is PG today is very different. Uh, so I encourage you to go to a site such as pluggedin.com. That's one that we use, and that's going to give you some helpful um, insight into the different movies and shows that kids might watch um, and then have conversations I and mean, it's going to help so much if husbands and wives are on the same page with these things if mom and dad can agree on what kind of movies and even music kids listen to kids sometimes put their airpods in or earphones on and you don't know what they're listening to so have the conversations talk to them about the content in the music that they're listening to and about is this edifying is this pure is this wholesome um, we want to make sure that we don't listen listen to any lyrics that denigrate people that are unhealthy for your kids' thoughts and mindset. So conversations, talk. You can just talk to your kids about this stuff. It's not easy. Some kids are quieter. They don't want to talk. I still encourage you to go there, open up the conversations, and uh, really try to do your best to be involved in all of the media and technology decisions your kids make. The next section here is about video games. And again, I 
I wish I could go over all of it, but we all know that there's going to be people who tell you all the benefits of video games, and I'm sure that there are some. Definitely hand-eye coordination. Sometimes there's a social element to video games if kids are playing multiplayer or with a friend. I get all that. For our family, we just think that there's more benefits to other things they could be doing. So yes, we let our kids play some video games, but it's pretty limited. And we really try to get our kids to do things that are active, that are using their creative juices, building, creating, reading, writing, outdoors, activities. I understand that video games are fun. All my boys enjoy them here and there. We just try to not make it a central part of our life. Now, like I mentioned, since this book was written, I did interview someone that I thought had a lot of good things to say on the podcast. So I'm going to link to that as well as offer the download that she gave us. So I think that's going to be helpful. If you have kids that are into video games, certainly no judgment from me. Just look at those guidelines. I think they're going to be super helpful to you. Okay, then I dive into social media, which of course, as a writer, a podcaster, a blogger, I love social media. I really enjoy it. If you're on there, I hope that we are hanging out and you are following me and and saying hi over there. It's one of my favorite things. But, oh my goodness, there's there's such a, a heavy weight that comes with the use of social media. And I think that this is a conversation that all families need to have and parents need to have just looking at your own children in their early teenage years. Are they really ready for that kind of pressure? All the things it opens them up to. Where are they at emotionally and socially? And is this something that's really necessary to add to their life in that season? Oftentimes, I'm going to say no. I know that research has shown across the board that time on social media typically makes somebody less happy than before they get on it. Uh, Girls are affected more than boys. And so you just want to really think through, do they need to add this to their life? Will it benefit them? Or is there more potential for them to be hurt or struggle with insecurities or comparisons? All the things that we know as adults, it can open us up to, right? So I encourage you to have those conversations. And if they are on social media, one rule that I maintain is I get to check their their account, their messages, Nothing is private. Again, we own the phone. They are still children in our home. And so they don't have privacy on social media and they need to know that. And they should let their friends know that as well, that my mom and dad are likely to read anything that we communicate here just because I think that that is um, appropriate. And you might have a different view on that, and that is totally fine. But for us, it's worked well, and our kids have agreed to it, even though they may not have loved it. Um, They understood why we did it, and we told them why we did it. So I think that is helpful. I know that my boys have all chosen at different times to take big breaks from social media. Uh, They really just felt like it wasn't helping them, that it was actually causing them to waste time or struggle with different insecurities. And so they chose to take some big breaks as certain times they considered deleting their accounts altogether. But I think those breaks were really helpful. And I encourage all of us to take breaks. You know, a Sabbath break once a week is healthy, as well as time off each every few months or every year. But certainly, if your kids are on social media, I really encourage you to at least set time limits. And you can do that right there in the social media account, set time limits. And then my kids have all had me keep a password. So if they say they're going to spend 15 minutes a day on social media, then they need to post something or respond to somebody. They have to come to me and I have to put the password in. And that's worked really well. Uh, Some of my kids have even kept that going when they're in college because they didn't want to waste time. So they're like, 
had to call me a couple times to get their password and then we'd reset it. So that was really wise. I didn't ask them to do that. It was something they chose to do, which is kind of funny. But I love that they understood the gravity of it. And so setting those time limits when they're young will help train them so that when they're older, they have that built-in sense of like, you know what, maybe I need to put some limits on myself. We're all human. We all need some restraint, right? All right, the last main section that I cover in this chapter is on pornography. And I put underneath that, please don't skip this section. Because we have plenty of reasons to be concerned about our kids and technology, but nothing comes close, in my mind anyway, to the dangers of internet pornography. I've seen and heard of too many lives destroyed by pornography, and we hear with heartbreaking frequency that the problem began early and often innocently. Parents email me more often than I want to hear Um, with tearful stories of how they had no idea their kids were being pulled into the world of pornography while just a few feet away from their own parents. These are things a kid cannot unsee. And even right now, as I'm recording, just last week, I heard from a mom whose 14-year-old son came to his parents to confess that he was addicted to pornography and it had been going on since he was 12 years old and they had no idea. So here's a few statistics I share from the Covenant Eyes website. And again, this was back, the book came out in 2019. So there are some updated statistics you can find, but at this time, nine out of 10 boys and six out of 10 girls are exposed to pornography by age 18. And the first exposure to pornography among boys is 12 years old. Okay, that's my Levi's age. My Levi is like a little boy still. And that is the average age of first experiencing pornography. So parents, if you have little kids, don't wait on those filters. Don't think, oh, when they're teenagers, I'm going to get a filter. It's especially in those early years where maybe they're not smart enough to go looking for it. But if something pops up on their screen, it's easy to click and then to click again and then to end up down a rabbit trail that could change the trajectory of their whole life. Perhaps the greatest misconception about boys and pornography is that those who get tangled up in it have gone looking for it. That porn is something that the bad kids do, and many of us know this simply isn't true. Pornography does have a way of finding our sons. And and God gave our boys healthy Uh, sexual drives. This is part of growing up, especially as they go through puberty. All those hormones are changing. We do not fault our kids for finding a woman's body beautiful or being curious and interested in sexual things. It's just pornography takes and twists God's design and the internet makes it so available that it is just completely scary. And I've said before, I want my kids to have a holy fear of pornography. I want them to know that it is something to stay away from, and that it can destroy their lives. And so I use those words. I talk about it very plainly and just say, run from it. If you do see it, if something pops up, please come and tell me. I will never shame you. I will never uh, guilt you for that. I'd rather you tell me than I find out somehow. And of course, I like... (laughs) my kids to think that I have some superpower ways that they don't know about of seeing everything they do. I think that's just kind of a healthy, uh, gives them a little bit of a healthy fear. I don't lie. I don't say, claim that I do. I just kind of allude to the fact that I'll probably know. And so come talk to me. And, and I bring it up, even though you guys, I am as uncomfortable as anyone, but I'll just be like, Hey, Levi, has anything popped up? Is there anything that you've seen that you want to talk to me about? And he'll be like, no mom. But I want him to know that when that day comes, because 
man, this world is crazy. They're going to see something. They might see it, you know, on a, on a billboard or on a sign. I've, I've traveled and seen some things. I'm like, really? Is that legal? But I want them to say, mom, I saw something that disturbed me or that made me curious or that made me want to see more. Please talk to me about things. So if you're not comfortable, I say, try to bring these things up anyway. You will get more comfortable as you do. And even if your kids act like they hate it, I think they do appreciate knowing that you're there and that you're available and that they don't have to go to somebody else. You want to be the person they turn to if they have a question or they see something. And so with that, um, there is more about filters and just the importance of them. And also just another reminder and warning that not only are there ways around filters, but once you're inside of an app, I use YouTube as my example, there, um, a filter will not block you once you're inside of that YouTube app or once you're inside of Google Earth. So a creative kid, a smart kid who wants to find something and not let their parents know, they can pretty easily get into an app that you have approved and find something and then they can use private mode on their browser or, you know, there's so many ways to do this. So let's keep working on the heart, keep working on your relationship, your communication, and then set some boundaries. If you're, when I'm not home, Levi's not allowed on the computer. It's like, I want to be around in your, um, near vicinity anytime you're on the computer because I'm going to just peek in and continue to see what you're doing and what you're looking at. So we, we need all, um, forces, right? We, we want to come at this, not just from one front, but from many fronts, from, from the filters, from the conversations, from their hearts and from our own eyes, seeing what they're doing. And I think that's the best approach and it's still not going to be perfect, but it's going to be as good as we can do. All right, friends, I feel like this has just been so much information. Hopefully a lot of it is just review and encouragement for you, but you're going to find this and much more in chapter eight of Boy Mom. So I hope that you are able to check that out. At the end of the chapter, I do share a nice list of uh, filters. And again, you're going to find many more than this, but I'll include that download in the show notes. I will also include the download with the technology contract, as well as links to the podcast last summer and the video game download as well. So another packed episode. I hope this has encouraged you. And before I close, I'm going to just say a quick prayer on this topic because boy, do we need it, right? So please join me. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for everyone listening. God, thank you for the families that these moms represent. And I just want to lift up this topic of raising kids in a time of technology and all the changes, all the different screens we face, and how overwhelming it can feel. God, I pray for wisdom. I pray for discernment. I pray that you would lead each of us to make the right choices to both protect our kids, to give them a healthy, balanced childhood. Uh, to really uh, just do the best we can. We're never going to get this perfect, but we pray your Holy Spirit would guide us. I want to especially lift up any mom who has a child who has looked at pornography, maybe some who are dealing with pornography addictions. God, I pray for an extra dose of grace, of um, just wisdom to navigate while I pray that they would find a support system, they would get the help they need, that they would have great hope, that they would trust you for healing. And Lord, for those who have not been looking at their kids' devices, but know that they need to, I pray for courage and I pray for strength and I pray that they would have the right timing and take the right steps, have the conversations they need to so that they can take a look at the history and prepare them for whatever they might find. God, I know this is a, a 
difficult topic for so many, but I pray, Lord, that you would just help us to connect in a way with our kids that we, this can help us to grow in relationship, that we can have good conversations, that kids will know that we love them and that you would just help us to navigate this well. God, for those with little kids, we know that technology is not going away uh, and that it's probably going to grow to be even more a part of our life than it has been already. And so I just pray you prepare them, you equip them, you give them everything they need to parent well in this time. Um, You're not surprised by any of this, God. We know that you placed us in this time in the world for a reason, and you will be with us. You will give us everything we need to parent well. I pray for the dads, for the fathers to come alongside of us and our kids and to be good leaders, to have the conversations, to set good examples. God, just help our families to be strong. Help us to realize this isn't something to take lightly, that we are in a battle and equip us for that battle, but also help us to not be freaked out or overwhelmed or afraid. So God, I just thank you that you're in this with us, that you love us and you love our kids more than we do. And I commit this topic of kids and screen time and technology to you. And I pray that you would be glorified by the way we we raise our kids, that they would grow up to love you and follow you and one day raise families of their own. So let our legacy be strong. We love you, Lord. We trust you. I thank you for everyone listening and pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. right, friends. Thanks for hanging in there through this difficult topic. You guys are awesome. If this has encouraged you, please do spread the word about this podcast and this episode. And I'll be back again next week with an interview. And then at the end of August, we'll have another topic from Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. So thanks for being here. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha. Aloha.